Welcome to A Teaspoon of Healing, where we explore the pathways to wellness and vibrant living. Listen to personal stories of healing and interviews with experts. It's time to open a doorway to healing in your life through positive changes. Here is your host, Dawn Damari. Hi, I'm Dawn Damari, and you're listening to A Teaspoon of Healing. Today, my guest is James Twyman, New York Times bestselling author and a peace troubadour. Hi, James. Hi, so great to be here, Dawn. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. So you have written a bunch of books, actually, and one of them, either the most recent one or the most famous one, Giovanni and the Camino of St. Francis. It's definitely the most recent. I don't think it's the most famous, but maybe one day. We'll see. <laughs> So the most recent book, Giovanni and the Camino of St. Francis, and you're about to also go on a tour that we're going to discuss your musical in a little while, Brother, Son, Sister, Moon. Yes. Which sounds wonderful, what you're doing. But first of all, I wanted to ask you, so you are, you what drew you to the life of St. Francis of Assisi? I grew up Catholic, so I know a little bit about him. And so, yeah, what what drew you to him when you were young? Well, anyone who was raised Catholic is certainly introduced to Francis at a very early age, but it's usually through the easiest manner, which is what I call the birdbath St. Francis. This is the Francis that most people recognize. You see him in gardens almost everywhere holding a big thing of water for the birds or maybe animals surrounding him. And that certainly was an aspect of Francis, and it was probably the first one that I fell in love with. Francis of nature. And he is the patron saint of ecology. And those stories that we hear about him are true. But he was also so much more than that. He was actually a very complicated, very revolutionary character 800 years ago. And you could say that he lived at the end of what we now call the Dark Ages. But he was also a major influence on the next age, which was the Renaissance. Many of the great authors and artists and musicians of the Renaissance were inspired by Francis and the commitment to peace that he had. And so he he was a man for all time. And I was always drawn to him. And I left home when I was 18 to become a Franciscan. And I was in the order for a couple of years. I ended up leaving, but it stayed with me and has always been a big part of my life. I've written many songs and another book about Francis, but this new one, Giovanni and the Camino of St. Francis, it was knocking at the door of my mind for probably seven years. I had decided that I wasn't going to even write another book unless I had to. That was what I said. If there's a book or a story that I just can't get rid of, I can't ignore. Okay, I'll read another book. But otherwise, no. But this story of Giovanni and this woman named Anna walking the Camino of St. Francis, which are the small little paths and roads that Francis would have walked 800 years ago on his way to Assisi, it just took hold of me. And finally, about a year and a half ago, I sat down and began writing. And I knew how it would begin and I knew how it would end, but I didn't know anything in the middle. So it was a real adventure for me to discover the journey as I went and to tell the story of Francis in a very new modern way. And then, of course, later that led to the musical. But we'll talk about that when this time is right. 
Right. And so you were in the Franciscan order. And what was that like? It was wonderful. (laughs) I, I look back at it as two of the best years of my life, actually. I often wonder what my life would have been like if I had stayed. In fact, not long ago, I had a conversation with a, a Franciscan priest who started the same day I did. His name is Father Pat Greeno. He is in a parish in Illinois. And we were talking. He had read Giovanni and called me. And I said, you know, I wonder what my life would have been like if I had stayed. He said, you never would have made it. <laughs> they, they would have kicked you out because even when I was 18, 19, 20 years old, I was, you know, very vibrant and expressive and all of those things that you don't necessarily want in a religious order. But I'm so I'm so glad I left and I'm so glad that it stayed with me because now I get to express that part of my life in a way that I probably wouldn't have been able to, especially going to Broadway to do this musical about the life of St. Francis. That's like the most exciting thing I've been invited to do in many years. Yes, and we'll definitely talk about that in a minute. One thing I wanted to ask you about was St. Francis, he also valued inclusion of all people, peaceful coexistence, which nowadays everything is very polarized, at least in this country. I feel like it's kind of like that in many countries as well. And how can we channel this? How can we channel St. Francis today? It's We are so divided. People are angry. How can we get to this peaceful coexistence again? Well, I think Francis has a lot to teach us today. Mainly because the things that were that are going on in our world today and our country and everywhere are very similar to many of the things that were going on in the time of Francis, because it was also a time of great polarization between the rich and the poor and one town or another and the Pope and the Holy Roman Emperor and everyone was at odds. And Francis, he you know, he was the rich kid in town. He was the son of a rich cloth merchant, a playboy, a partier. And he marched off to war with neighboring Perugia, and he was immediately captured, thrown into prison for a year. And that's when his heart broke open, and he realized the valuelessness of everything that he had done before. And that was the beginning of his conversion. And he ended up leaving everything behind. He literally stripped naked in front of the whole town and walked out of Assisi and went to live with the poorest of the poor and the people that he was once so afraid of, which were the lepers. And and that was the witness that ended up very slowly. It didn't happen overnight, but very slowly it began to transform all of Europe and then the whole world to the point that here we are talking about him 800 years later. So today we see much of the same polarization. And I think it's in letting those walls and those boundaries drop away, which is what Francis did, to see that we really want the same thing. It's not about Republican and Democrat or one side or another, the left or the right, black or white. None of that really matters. What matters is that we all want the same thing. You know, I remember as the Peace Troubadour being able to travel to many countries at war. One of the first one was to Iraq. I was invited by Saddam Hussein in 1998 to come to Iraq. At the same time, we were preparing another bombing campaign against the Iraqi people. And I was invited to come and do the peace concert there in Baghdad. And I remember being a little bit nervous because I'd been told that these people are very different, that I'm the enemy, that I may not be accepted. And yet what I found were people just like you and I people who were beautiful and were wanting peace 
in their own way. I remember after this big concert that I did, they had a huge party for me, and all we did was sit around all night long singing Simon and Garfunkel songs. (laughs) So if we can do that in Baghdad, I think we can do it here in this country as well. I think so too. And I really hope we can get there. Some, Some days, you know, I think we can, and then there's some days that are really disheartening. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing to remember is that things are always darkest right before the break of dawn. And I think all of these things are surfacing now because they have to, because they have to be healed and they can't be healed until we look at them. So that's the key is we have to look at this and we have to forgive it and love it. It's not about looking at, say, what another group or another, you know, someone who voted for another candidate and think that these are bad people. No, these are good people. And it's through our love and through our forgiveness of all of this that this healing is going to come. That certainly is what Francis believed 800 years ago. And I really think it's what will create the momentum that we need today. In fact, I I want to tell you a quote that I heard that really challenged me. And it was one of the main inspirations for me writing this musical. It was something that someone said, and I'm going to see if you can guess. It was in the 20th century. That's your only clue. And this person said basically, I'm paraphrasing, but basically said, the revolution we started failed. It created more atrocities than it solved. What we really needed were 10 St. Francis of Assisi's. Who do you think said that? Oh, gosh. You know what? I, I don't know. What type of person? Maybe a musician, a peacemaker, a pope? Is, isn't that the type of person you would immediately think? Yeah, I would think a peacemaker. So is it a politician? Well, yes, it was a politician, but not the type you would expect. It was Vladimir Lenin. The architect of the Russian Revolution said what Russia really needed were 10 St. Francis of Assisi's. And this is coming from an atheist. This is coming from someone who didn't even believe in God, but he saw something in Francis that he knew was so valuable. What he saw was someone who was completely 100% committed, all in. And he knew that if they had had that, just 10 people like that in Russia, dedicated to peace on that level, they wouldn't have needed a revolution. So when I heard that, and and I decided to go on the road and travel across the country to do this Broadway musical, when I heard that, I said, okay, I'll be number 10. Who are the other nine? So I don't know if I'm going to be like Forrest Gump gathering people along the way as we travel to New York or not, but I am hoping that they're are going to be people who are inspired by this, just as Francis inspired so many people 800 years ago, and people who wanted to live this, who were so passionate about this, and they're the ones who changed the world, and I think it could happen again. I love that. Now, your musical, Brother, Son, Sister, Moon. So what is the musical about? St. Francis. <laughs> yeah, it's the story of his life. Yeah, I'll tell you how I was inspired because it's kind of funny. People are surprised when I tell them that the person who inspired me to do this musical was Bruce Springsteen, of all people. Bruce, as many people know, was doing a one-man musical on Broadway called Springsteen on Broadway. And they showed it on Netflix and it was Basically, Bruce telling the story of his life and picking up the guitar and singing Thunder Road or Born to Run. And I was watching that thinking, St. Francis could do this. What if St. Francis came back after 800 years and told the story of his life and sang the songs of his life? So, you know, I was going to go on this book tour for Giovanni and the Camino of St. Francis, 
And I didn't know what to do because it's a fiction book and it's hard to, to do a book tour for fiction. And this was when this idea came to me, to do a musical. So I, I've been traveling all over the world, really, sharing it this year. I'm going to be going to Broadway, as I said. That, that's going to be from February 20th to March 1st. But on the way to Broadway, I didn't want to, you know, go to New York and get a hotel or a, an apartment like other actors might do. I wanted to do this as Francis would have. So along with my friend Bill Free, we're going to be traveling across the U.S., beginning in Portland, then down to Santa Barbara. I'll just tell you the cities. We'll be in Santa Barbara and then Phoenix, Sedona, Taos, Albuquerque, Santa Fe, Kansas City, St. Louis, Chicago, Peoria, Cleveland, Philadelphia, Rochester, Boston, and then finally New York, all in about a month and a half, traveling across the country penniless, with no money, no idea even how we're going to get from place to place, completely surrendering and trusting that it'll happen. And when we get to New York, what we're going to be doing every day before the show, we're going to be on the street passing out tickets to the homeless to come and be our guests at the musical. And I don't think any Broadway show has ever done this before, invited homeless people to come in and be part of this. But that's what we're going to do. And I think this is what Francis would have done. So my goal throughout that whole tour is to literally step into the habit of St. Francis, to literally have him overshadow me, much as a method actor would do. Let's say Daniel Day-Lewis, for example, when he played Lincoln in Spielberg's film, for that whole nine months or whatever it was, he was Lincoln. He never left character. He Every night, his wife slept with Abraham Lincoln. And I even heard that when they finished shooting, it took him several days to even get his Irish accent back. That's how deep he went. So my goal is to go into Francis that deep and see who ends up on the other side. I don't even know, but I'm very curious myself. I'm very curious too. And I really like the I like your ambition. So you're going to start out, so you guys are going to depend on the generosity of others for food, housing, and transportation, right? That's right. And we, we have certain rules. Number one, we can't fly anywhere and we can't take any money. But someone can buy us a bus ticket or a train ticket. We can hitchhike. We can get rides. So, uh, you know, th these are all self-imposed rules, but these are rules for me that just will help me to stay in the spirit, you know, stay close to the earth. That's why I don't want to fly, for example. I want to stay right on the earth. And, and the interactions, the people that we'll meet along the way who don't know anything about this or don't know anything about St. Francis. But if if my friend Bill and I are living from this space, I think the transformation for all of us is going to be so profound. I think so too. And so again, it starts in Portland, Oregon? That's right. Portland, Oregon on January 4th. And by the way, people can just go to the website. My website is Jimmy, J-I-M-M-Y, and then my last name, Twyman, T-W-Y-M-A-N. Dot com, And right at the top there, there is a link that takes you to the, the, the musical site where you can actually see the first 20 minutes of the musical. And actually, that was shot in Assisi only a couple of months ago, the home of St. Francis, of course. And you can see that and you can check out the schedule and see if we're coming anywhere near you. And if you are, or if you're anywhere near New York, we sure would love to have people come out and help us with this beautiful project. I love that. And so the homeless, so you're giving free tickets to the homeless and then they're all, all going to, you guys are all going to eat together before 
That's right. Yeah. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> We're going to be having a big thing of soup every day, like a soup kitchen, really, in the back of this theater. So the people who are our guests, the people who buy tickets, will all share a meal. Once again, this is what Francis would have done. He would have broken down these boundaries and these barriers and said, we're one in this. Francis went from being the richest kid in town to being homeless. And yet he was probably the richest man in Assisi, even though that was true. Yes. And now you also play the guitar, is that correct? And you're going to be playing the, uh, some songs as well in this? Or is it are mainly just acting and singing? Oh, yeah. It's a musical. So I'll be sharing. There are a lot of songs in it. In fact, if you'd like, I could share one right now. Sure, that would be great. I just happen to have my instrument right here. So I'll share a song that I, I love singing in this musical because it's all about being simple. And that's what was so important to Francis. So this is called Simple. Be like a child today. Don't overcomplicate what is simple Yes, so simple Love's power in you is strong You don't need to wait so long It's simple Yes, so simple I do believe that you can finally see What I've tried to get you to understand it isn't hard to see what has always been true if you take my hand just take my hand be like a child today you don't need to throw away what's simple oh so simple I've tried so many times, but it was all just in my mind. It was simple, oh, so simple. The simple point is to never hesitate to offer the love you feel inside. That's the only way to never complicate and to keep your heart, your heart open wide. Be like a child today, you don't need to throw away what's simple. Yes, so simple. Here's what I'm telling you, that love alone is true, it is simple. So simple. Whoa, 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 love is simple. Love is so simple. Yay, that was so nice. A really good voice, and you you play the guitar really well too. You're, that musical is going to be pretty amazing. So you have a yeah, it's a, your original score. Yes, it is. I I wrote all the music, and I love this new instrument because it's not a guitar. Actually, it's called a Venezuelan cuatro. I just discovered this instrument not long ago. It's a Venezuelan instrument, and I'm just in love with it. So that's what I'm going to be taking with me. My cuatro. 
<laughs> oh, I love that. I've actually never heard of that. So that's- I hadn't either until I found it. Nice. So you're so you're starting in Portland, and then the next is Santa Barbara. That's the closest to me. So in Santa Barbara, where are you playing? I'll be at the Mission Church there in Santa Barbara, which is a Franciscan church, obviously, and then heading to Phoenix, Sedona, and all over the place. But every one of them, I'm so excited because every time I get to share this, even singing one song as I just did, it just lights me on fire. And I think this is what's needed most in the world right now, people who are on fire with this, because we don't have enough we don't have enough of that today. We have people who are lukewarm, but what's, what changes the world are people who are on fire with love and peace. And Francis did that 800 years ago. And every time I do the musical, I can feel that energy or I just sing one song. I feel that commitment. And what I'm hoping will happen is that as we travel across the country doing this everywhere, including New York, that people are going to feel that fire themselves and it's going to kindle those embers inside of them and bring them back to life. I love that. Now, how can someone, we were talking about earlier, it's things are very polarized and there's different things happening every day, unless you just turn off the news, which I've tried to do. That's one option. We probably all have people in our family or our friends or people that we know who have a different opinion than us, who maybe support a particular person whose name we want to mention. <laughs> And it's very easy for us to say, what are you thinking? (laughs) But immediately what we've done is we've told them they're stupid. And and that doesn't get us anywhere. So what I try to do is I say, tell me more. Tell me why you feel this way. Why is this important to you? And then listen to them. And and sometimes I won't even respond. I'll resist that urge that I often feel to say, but that's crazy. <laughs> and just listen from their perspective. And I think that's what we don't do enough. We don't listen to one another. And I think it begins there. I'm not sure what happens after that, but I do know that it starts with with just listening to each other and considering that we all have an important piece of this puzzle. And it's only going to be when we come together and and stop polarizing things ourselves, because I do it, you do it, we all do it. But we have to catch ourselves when we do that, make someone else wrong or whatever it may be, and just say, this this is someone who's important to me, and I just want to hear what they think. That's, I think, the first step. Mm-hmm. I love that. You know, I, I have a bit of a masochistic quality in, in me. So when I go home to my father, I, I have a hard time not prodding him just for my own entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> Same here. <laughs> yes. Sounds like the same thing. Exactly. But like you said, to hear their point, the reasons why, that's really important. So people like to feel listened to and to be able to get sometimes to a middle ground. Polarization can be, I guess, like you said, it maybe it's needed right now. I don't know if we can ever get back to any middle ground or any unity at all. I'm hoping. I believe we can. You know, there's a great story about St. Francis that actually ha- happened 800 years ago this year. And I think it speaks to what we're discussing. At that time, the Crusades were out of control. And the leader of the the Muslim force, his name was the Sultan Al-Kamil of Egypt. And he once said that he would give a Byzantine gold coin to any Muslim that brought him the head of a Christian. So that's how serious things were. And Francis heard this. 
And the first thing that he said was, okay, I'm going. And everyone said, what are you, crazy? You can't go there. You'll, you'll be captured and tortured and killed. And even the Pope told him. He said, it doesn't matter. I have to go. I have to go share this fire that's inside me. So he did. He and his brother Illuminato traveled. It took him three times, three attempts to get into the Muslim territory. And of course, they were captured and tortured and immediately sentenced to die. And there they were in prison, singing and dancing and celebrating. And the Sultan was so confused by this that he gave them an audience. And no one really knows what happened in that audience, but we do know that the Sultan was completely moved by the simplicity of this man, that he not only let them live, but he, he gave him the gift of a silver, no, it was an ivory horn that was the sign of safe passage from the Sultan himself, letting them travel anywhere they wanted safely through the Muslim territory. And Francis preached the gospel all through that area because the Sultan fell in love with him. Now, this was supposed to be the enemy. But there was something about the, the simple, loving character of Francis that melted him. And maybe that's what it takes today. I mean, someone may seem to be the polar opposite, but there's a magic that happens when we just open our hearts and love no matter what. Those three words are my favorite. No matter what, I love you and, I, and I'm going to be here for you. Doesn't matter if we disagree. Doesn't matter if you support some, I won't say it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you see, it's so easy to fall into it. But it doesn't matter. I am going to be here and I'm going to keep my heart open to you no matter what. So that's what we need to do. I love that. And also, how can we learn, you know, as far as the homeless, we need, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of people, sometimes it's very easy to dehumanize homeless people. They are, they are humans. They were, they were once babies. You know, that's why I sometimes will think when I see them, they were somebody's child. They still are humanizing them more and viewing them as, as human beings. I'm just wondering if there's ways we can, you know, get past this. The homeless are the lepers of our society. In Francis's time, almost every town had a leper colony. And they were forced to the outskirts of town and they had to wear bells so that you would know when they were approaching so you could stay away. And Francis, he was petrified. In his early life, he was petrified and, and couldn't stand to be anywhere near them. And yet, when he first had his conversion and he left Assisi, the first people he went to were the lepers. And he lived with them and he served them. He humbled himself completely. And this is why humility is such an important part of this process, because we have to let go of, of all of those ideas of who we think we are, what we think we we're here to do. And sometimes serving the poorest of the poor is a great way to do that. And we don't have to look very far. It doesn't even need to take some big grandiose gesture. Sometimes just speaking to a homeless person, doing more than just giving them a few dimes, ask about them, ask how they're doing. Maybe share something more than just a few dimes. And of course, we're the ones who are going to get the best, the most benefit out of that. Because like the prayer of St. Francis says, it isn't giving that we receive. It isn't loving that we are loved. When we love the poorest of the poor, we're really loving Christ or however you imagine that to be. I mean, I don't like to get stuck in words because people have different perspectives. But for, for me, Francis was the perfect imitator of the Christ. And when I say Christ, I don't necessarily mean Jesus. 
As Richard Rohr says, Christ is not the last name of Jesus. It's your name as well. We're all called to, to be that to each other. And it starts with loving no matter what. If we can just look into the eyes of these people, like you said so beautifully, and realize that they may be the mother of a child, and they certainly were the child of a mother, and to honor them and to love them as more than just someone who is having a difficult time in their life, but as like the holy, perfect extension of divinity itself. That's certainly what Francis did. Yes, and I hope we can get get to that. Maybe your musical will help, your tour, you know, bringing people, bringing people together. So again, what is your website for people who want to buy tickets or to find out, uh, you know, more about you and your books as well? Well, they can go to Jimmy, J-I-M-M-Y, Twyman, T-W-Y-M-A-N.com. And as I said, there's a link right there at the top that'll tell you more about the musical and you can watch the first 20 minutes of the musical that we shot there in a, in a CZ. And I would also recommend just getting on our email list so that when we are traveling across the country, we can send out little videos and pictures and keep people abreast of the adventure that we're on. Wonderful. So people can go there and visit. And what a way to start the new decade, too. I think that's great. With a message of hope. I love that. Well, thank you so much, James, for joining me today on A Teaspoon of Healing. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me on the program. Well, for sure. Is there anything you want to share with our listeners before you sign off? You know, that beautiful quote from Gandhi comes into my mind. You must be the change you expect to see in the world. Stop waiting for the world to change. Be the change yourself and the world will change on its own. I think that certainly embraces the spirit of St. Francis and I think it's what's most needed today. I love that. Well, thank you for sharing that and thank you for coming on the show. You're welcome. Susan, you remember the time we were in Orange County? We were driving around and we got lost and we ran into this place called Avila's El Ranchito. You remember the place? The place had awesome decor and authentic margaritas. Did you know that Avila's El Ranchito has been around since 1966? They have 13 locations throughout Orange County. Visit Salvador Avila's location in Lake Forest and Foothill Ranch for great food, ambiance, and specialty margaritas. Thank you for listening to A Teaspoon of Healing with Dawn Damari, your home for wellness and vibrant living. For more resources on wellness and vibrant living, visit us online at teaspoonofhealing.com. This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute medical advice. Please consult a physician or other health professional before undertaking changes in lifestyle or wellness habits. The author claims no responsibility to any person or entity for any liability, loss, or damage caused or alleged to be caused directly or indirectly as a result of use, application, or interpretation of the information presented herein.